Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, folks, we, we live in a great country. But one of the one of the characteristics of our of our country is our rugged individualism. Everybody recognize that? It's what you achieve in life and what you get, and that's just ingrained in us from where? From the very beginning, from when you're wee little on up. Because we reward those who do well, and if you don't do well, well, we'll we'll bring you along, but you're not going to be rewarded as well as somebody who's really doing well. And so that's ingrained, and we kind of bring that over into our Christianity. We bring that over into the church. In fact, we will we will oftentimes we'll read the books of the Bible, and we'll look for 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 things for us for how we are to live our lives as Christians, individual. The problem is here's the problem: most of the scriptures don't address about you living your life individually. You say, well, I read this passage the other day, and it said, you do this. And you'll see a lot of passages that use the word you. Now, we take it to mean, because our English translation says you, we take it to mean singular. Do you remember that from, from, from grammar in English? The singular you and the plural you are spelt the same way, Y-O-U, right? But the meanings are different. So when we see you... We always think in terms, because we're rugged individualists, we think in terms of what? Me. What I got to do. Actually, most of the yous are plural. Collective. Talking about the church and the people of the church and the family of God and the people of God. And and the reality is, is here's what I'm going to say. Most of our struggle, we're in our series, the struggle for joy, pursuing godliness, most of our struggle in our Christian lives is because we are trying to live it alone. Did you understand what I'm saying? You're trying to live your Christian life alone. You're trying to deal with whatever the stuff is in your life alone. You're trying to deal with the habits and the attitudes and stuff alone. And, and the reality is, is you can't do it alone. You were never meant or created to do it alone. You have to do it with others. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to do it with others. Now, to have that kind of concept is actually going to go against the grain of how you were raised. But it will change you if you can get it. It will actually not just change you. Folks, it will change our church. It will change the whole basis of why we do what we're doing. Because it's really not just about you and your relationship in Jesus. It's about us and our relationship together with Jesus. Because you can't do it alone. Do you understand what I'm saying? In fact, here's what I want you to write down. on your, in your If you've got your little bulletin there on the back, I want you to write this phrase down. You were not created to be an island unto yourself. You were not created... To be an island unto yourself. So many of us think we're islands. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if you're an island, you're out there all by yourself 
in the ocean. No, you weren't created to be an island. God never meant for you to go it alone. In fact, have you met people like that? Well, I don't need a church. I worship God in the true stand. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you weren't meant to go it alone. So you say, okay, George, so where are we going with this? Well, we're going to talk today about who you're living for. Because I can tell you right now, most of us, we're living for ourselves. Let's just start off with that premise and we understand. We're living for ourselves. We're living for our dreams. We're living for what we want to achieve. Everything in our life is about ourselves. Our marriages are about ourselves. Our kids are about ourselves. It's all about us. You, individually, me, individually. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we we got to understand who we're living for. And for most of us, and if you're not, that's okay. You're doing good. But for most of us, we're living for who? Ourselves. What we want. What we want to achieve. What we want to have. It's all about us. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not doing that, George. I'm, I'm living for my kids. I'm living for myself. Yeah, really? You need to examine it. I mean, if you're doing that, it's noble. I'm, gr- I'm glad. Maybe you're grabbing it. But a lot of times, even our best intentions are for who? Ourselves. Ourselves. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at two verses. He's going to start off with two verses in, in chapter 2. It's a conditional phrase. Do, do you remember conditional phrase, if this, then that? Do you remember that from English grammar? If this. Now, the word if there is is a word that we usually mean, when we think about if, we think, well, maybe that'll happen or maybe it won't. We, th- we think it's really conditional. Do you know what I'm saying? So, if these things are possible, then I can do this. Well, the problem is, is that that's our English way of looking at it. In the original language, Greek, in which it was written, they had three different types of conditional statements. Now, I'm not going to bore you with Greek this morning, and I'm not going to bore you with English, but I'm just going to explain to you which one is used here. The one that's used here in verses 1 to 2 is called implied reality. It's a conditional statement that is an implied reality. In fact, that word that begins right there, right there, those first two verses, therefore, if, okay, I want you in your mind, because it's an implied reality, it can also be translated Therefore, since, the word if can be mean since, changes the whole meaning about what we're going to read, isn't it? And so what we're going to see here, well, let's read it together, and I'll tell you what we're going to see here. Therefore, if, or since, there is any consolation in Christ, since, if, or since, any comfort in the Holy Spirit, since, or if, any fellowship in the Spirit, and since, any affection and mercy, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, and of one mind. What we're going to do is we're going to take these two verses and we're going to see, verse 1 is going to talk about realities. They're implied realities. Verse 2 is going to give us expectations. Because of the realities that we're going to look at in verse 1, there are some expectations that you and I need to live under. Did you understand what I'm saying? That you and I need to function under as we're on this struggle for joy, as we're pursuing godliness. Did you understand what I'm saying? So what we're going to see here are these realities. They're not 
what if this were possible, maybe I would do this. No, no, these are realities. You do it. And see, this is what we're going to see here. We see a conditional statement. He's going to give us four realities that are real for our lives. Some of these you're going to be shocked by because you're like, man, this is what I've been wanting. Well, the reality is it's there available for you. And then out of those four realities are going to come four expectations of what you should do with them. So let's look at the realities, first of all. Look with me at verse 1. Look at what he says there. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ. Here's the first reality. There is comfort from the relationship with Christ. There is comfort from the relationship with Christ. Here's the reality that all of you have got to experience in your life. Here's the reality that you have got to embrace. Because the fact of the matter is, is we live in a real world, don't we? And in a real world, junk happens. And in a real world, you're going to be blown away constantly by stuff that is overwhelming. It's like, huh? Where did that come from? Why did that happen? Do you know what I'm talking about? Freak stuff happens. And you're left with the what? Bill. Do you know what I'm saying? And you didn't ask for it. You didn't wake up that morning and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, I just pray today that everything goes wrong and I get a big bill at the end of the day. How many of you pray those kind of prayers? Nobody! You're getting up in the morning, please don't let nothing happen to me today. But you live in a real world. And sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes it just gets so overwhelming. Don't we? We get overwhelmed. I mean, we say things like that. Could anything else go wrong today? Could anything else go wrong this week? I, I, it's springtime, but ain't, it's been, I'm still in winter. 2014 ain't great for me. And we, we languish in the overwhelmedness of the junk we go through. And we wonder, is there any peace? Is there any comfort? Is there any, is there anything that's going to get me through this? Now here's the reality. Here's what, 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 what Paul is saying. Since there is consolation in Christ. But what is he talking about? There is comfort, real comfort, from your relationship with Jesus. Because what you can do is, is that when you're going through the overwhelmedness, is you go and you talk to him. It's like, Jesus, you know what's going on. You know, you know I can't handle this. Jesus, I know you're aware, but let me tell you. I mean, let me, t- let me tell you my side. Let me tell you how I'm feeling. And I don't know what to do, Jesus. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I have done that and had a peace. Like, where did that come from? I shouldn't be peaceful right now. I should be like, ah! There's comfort. But the bottom line is, to see, we we don't realize that. So for most of us, we just drift from, we're like, remember, remember when ping pong games were really big, you know, and you're like the metal ball, boom, busting over here to this bumper, boom, busting over here. You know, you're hoping to go down in the hole so somebody quit hitting on you. You know, you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm talking about? Old people know about ping pong, pinball, pinball, you know. Reality is, is that, That's because we don't take that step to understand his comfort. We don't let him comfort us. In fact, you've been trained not to let him comfort you. What do you mean? Guys, 
Real men don't cry. Real men don't ask for help. So I can almost guarantee what your prayer life's like. You don't go to him and say, I'm overwhelmed. You don't go to him and say, I need your help. Because you've been taught not to do that. You know, we've been taught not to, to express ourselves and our need and to seek comfort because that shows what? Weakness. Boy, isn't that amazing how quickly we were ready to say that. Because we've been conditioned that way, have we not? So the first reality, look, embrace it. Here's what you've got to understand. If you didn't realize that before you walked in here, is that there is comfort in your relationship with Christ. And so when you go through it this week, and some of you will, some of you will have a hiatus this week. Trust me, wait, the month ain't over yet. It just started. Today's the first. Something will happen, and you're going to need comfort. It's there. It's not if it's there. He's saying it's there. If there is comfort from the relationship, here's the second reality. If any comfort of love, Christ's love for us brings comfort. Christ's love for us. Sometimes, you know what, we get so overwhelmed with the stuff in our lives, especially if we make a mistake, if we're not doing right, or if we feel rejection from others. Have you noticed that sometimes when we feel rejection from others, we immediately think that God rejects us? Do you know what I'm talking about? If, if all of a sudden we feel that somebody's got a toot towards us, and trust me, people will have a toot towards you. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, they'll have an attitude towards you. And, and all you said was, hello. And immediately, you're like, you must not love me, God. Really, the guy's attitude at work means God doesn't love you, but we do that. One of the greatest comforts in your life is as you're going through life and as you're going through and you're being beaten up is realizing you still love me, Jesus. You still love me. You still care for me. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Do you know what I'm saying? The reality of the comfort of love, Christ's love in your life. But here's the other thing. You notice that the word says love. So it's not just talking about Christ's love. You could actually make it mean something else. What do you mean, George? If you belong to a church family where people truly love, as Jesus said to love, there's also comfort in what? Not just knowing that Jesus loves you, but knowing that there's a group of people who love you and accept you. Isn't that awesome? See, that's a reality. That's, that's the, that's the second reality. The first one is, is that there's comfort in the relationship with Jesus. The, the second one is that there's comfort in knowing that Jesus loves you. And I could even expand that to say that knowing that there are other believers who love you. Here's the third one. There's a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Look at what he says there, verse two. If any, since any fellowship of the Spirit, it's talking about your relationship with Jesus Through the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, lives within you. He entered into your life the moment you trusted in Him, the moment you gave your life to Him, the moment you committed your walk to Him. The Holy Spirit entered into your life. And you have within you God. You're not God, but God is within you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the reality is, is that 
there is a personal relationship between you and He. Now the problem is most of us don't recognize He's there, so we don't even acknowledge Him. But He's there with us. He goes with you everywhere. He's the one convicting you not to do stuff. How many times is the Holy Spirit communicating to you? We don't even realize it. We think it's pizza or a bad hot Italian sausage. Or we were up too late last night. Didn't get enough sleep. See, the reality is, is you have within you God who is guiding you and directing you and empowering you. Teaching you. Some of you got to wake up to that reality. You are not alone where you're at. There is the Spirit of God with you. Some of you will be scared by that. And maybe good. Because you're not alone. That's the third reality. Here's the fourth one. There will be concern and love for others. Look at what it says there. If any, affection and mercy. See, that's a reality. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your heart changes, your mind changes, and you're no longer going to be self-absorbed. Because you weren't created to be that way. And you are a new creature now. You're not an island unto yourself. Remember I said that to you. There is going to be within you a concern for what? Others. And you're going to be concerned and you're going to have a love for other people. See, some of you, it's not weakness if you're concerned for somebody else. It's it's not... It's not a character flaw. You need to allow that to flow out of you because that's the Holy Spirit, folks, in you wanting the love of God wanting to flow out of you towards others. Let it happen. Do you know what I'm saying? Let it happen. So those are the realities. So what do we do with that now? So let's look at verse 2, and we're going to see the expectations because now out of those realities, what? Comfort from the relationship. Comfort from Christ's love. The fellowship, the relationship that we have with the person of the Holy Spirit, and that concern and love for others. Here's the expectation now. Here's what you've got to be doing. So this is what you have to do because the other things exist. Here's where we need to go in our journey. And let me just tell you right off the bat, it's not about what you do individually. It's what we do together. Did you hear what I said? It's not about what we do individually, it's what we do together. Now, as soon as I say that, somebody's going to say, well, you know what? I understand where you're going with this, George. I can see where you're going with this, and I don't know if I buy it. Because if I start thinking about other people, who's going to think about me? Because if I, you know what it's like, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and, you know, I've been there before, and I've tried to help other people, but nobody thought about me, so i got to think about myself. Okay, I hear what you're saying. But if you're in a church where we're living this, then you'll be taken care of as others are taken care of. You will be loved as others are loved. You will be looked after as others are looked after. Because that's the culture in which we live in, in a church. Do you you understand what I'm saying? But that's our culture, isn't it? It's only you, it's only you. Got to do it for you, got to do it for you. And you need to do it for others. So look at what it says here. Four things. Number one, here's the first one. We, that is collectively, we, 
should have the same attitude concerning the things of Christ. You and I, that's what he means by when it says like-minded. Look right here, verse 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. That means that you and I need to have the same attitude. We need to agree together concerning the things of God. Now, you notice something. We're not talking about here having the same attitude concerning football. Because I already tell you right now, we're in trouble. Do you know what I mean? Because most of you might have the same attitude, but we've got a few here that are diehards for their team. And that's okay. I can already tell you that we don't need to have the same attitude concerning what? Politics. Okay? We don't. Because you might think you're right, and I might think you're wrong, and we're never going to agree. Have you noticed something? Whenever politics comes up, people get angry. So that's obviously not what we're supposed to be like-minded on. What are we supposed to be like-minded on? We need to have the same attitude concerning the one who what? Saved us. So collectively, we need to be in the, in the same thought process that we're here about people and about people finding Jesus and finding victory in Jesus. We need to have the same attitude. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, I mean, you root for your team. You vote for your dude. But big deal. Here's the other one. Here's the second expectation. We should be motivated by the same love for God and others. Look at what it says there. Having the same love. You and I need to be motivated by love. You know what my prayer is for Kerwinsville Christian Church? You know, if there's, if there's anything that if somebody in town says, well, what do you know about Kerbinsville Christian Church? Here's what I wished would come off of people's lips. Well, I don't know much about what goes on there, but man, I hear they love people. I hear they love people. Man, have you heard anybody say anything about a church like that around town? You don't hear that, do you? When you hear when you hear about churches, do you ever hear them say things like that that they love people? They don't, you don't hear that. That that's my prayer for our church, folks. Because of the realities, because we 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 have the comfort of the relationship with Christ. We have the comfort of his love. We have the Holy Spirit. We have a love for each other. It's going to be the expectation is is that we're going to be motivated by the same love for God. And for each other. Because aren't those the two greatest commandments? To love the Lord God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. And to what? Love thy neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, upon these two hinges the whole law. What's Jesus saying there? This is what is the basis of everything. Man, that's an expectation. How are we doing? Don't answer me. How are we doing? We need some work, don't we? We need some work. 
But, man, I can't think of a better thing to work on, huh? I cannot think of a better thing to work on than us loving each other and what? Loving God. Look at the next expectation. That we should be united together by the Spirit. Look at what it says there. Being of one accord. The word accord there also can be translated spirit. Being of one spirit. That we would be united together. That we would be in agreement together through the Holy Spirit's power. In fact, isn't that what Jesus prayed on in the garden right before he was betrayed? He prayed in, in John chapter 17. He asked them, Father, that they would be one That they would be united together in prayer. United by the Spirit. And then also look here, fourth expectation. Look at it real quick. Here's what we need to do. This, again, we're talking about we and of one mind. One mind. One mind concerning what, George? Well, the implication of the text here is that we should be united in our purpose to serve Jesus. Because the word there, mind, can also be translated purpose. That we would have the same purpose. Folks, our purpose isn't going to be, yeah, we're doing fuel aid. Okay, we're helping with that. But that's not our purpose. Our purpose isn't to help people get fuel. Yeah, we want to help them. Our purpose is to get people to know who? Jesus, as you know Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Our purpose isn't to see... The, I mean, I know the church got distracted by this for years. Thankfully, hopefully we're getting over this. Our purpose isn't to, quote, get the right people elected. Because that didn't work out well. Our purpose isn't any of that stuff. Our purpose isn't anti, anti-abortion, being pro-life. Our purpose isn't this, this thing, or this thing, or that thing. Our purpose is Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the expectation. God is saying to us, look, I have done this for you. I have given you comfort. I have given you my spirit. I have given you love for each other. Now, here's what I expect from you. You have the same attitudes concerning the things of God. That you have the same love for each other and for me. That you would be in the same singular purpose of glorifying me to a lost world as people come to know who Jesus Christ is. That's our expectation. Man, that'll change you, won't it? Because when you talk about those four things, look through your list there. When you talk about those four things, it isn't about who? You. Because the minute you start to fit you into it, it kind of crumbles. Well, I wonder what I can get out of this. I wonder, wonder, okay, so if I do this, what do I get back from this? So if I do this, where will I be? And, and, you know, if you start thinking that way about you, 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 you'll label yourself real quickly. Because we're, the rest of us aren't dumb. We know when it's about you, don't we? Did you know what I'm saying? The reality is, is look, look at the realities of what he's done. Some of you just got to wrap your brain around that one, don't you? Man, you know what? Let's, let's focus on what he's telling us to do. You know, and if we focused on those things, where do you think we'll be a year from now? 
This place will be different, won't it? You'll be different. Because this place is different. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.